remember I had lasagna. How do you want that cooked? Not too cooked for bloody as hell. You want me to hold the chicken? I want you to hold it between your knees. And to drink. Ta-da. Peru. This is Bill. He's been a waiter for three years since he left Penn State. He had to get work. He likes the town. He paints toy soldiers and he's getting Hey everyone, it's Matt Knudsen and welcome to the Grabbing Lunch Podcast. The podcast where I literally sit down and grab lunch at restaurants that are open for business with comedians, actors, artists, entertainers, show folks at all. Uh, this is Grabbing Lunch, episode 12. This is my lunch with Kathy Ladman and Paul Provenza. I am a giant fan of both Kathy and Paul. They're, they're comedy legends. They were at the forefront of the 80s comedy boom, and they are still just as brilliant and relative as ever. So I was very uh, excited and honored that they, they made the time to sit down with me. So I think you guys are going to really enjoy the episode. Uh, in the meantime, if you're interested in seeing anything that I'm up to or have been up to or plan on being up to, uh, you can go to my website, mattknutson.com, M-A-T-T-K-N-U-D-S-E-N. Uh, I'm going to be doing the San Francisco Sketch Fest coming up uh, at the beginning of February. Um, I have a date at the UCB doing Crash Test with uh, Paul Shear and Rob Hubel. Should be a fun show. And if you're interested in supporting me as I run the LA Marathon as a part of Team St. Jude's Children Hospital on Sunday, March 9th, you can go to my website and, uh, and click on my donation page to support St. Jude's Children's Hospital, a phenomenal charity. Um, so that's it. It's uh, mattknutson.com, M-A-T-T-K-N-U-D-S-E-N. Okay. Uh, my guests today are Kathy Ladman. Now, in addition to appearances in recent projects like Mad Men and Curb Your Enthusiasm, Kathy made multiple appearances on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. She had her own one-night stand and even won an American Comedy Award for Best Female Stand-Up. Uh, she's actively touring uh, with her one-woman show, Does This Show Make Me Look Fat?, what a great name for a show. <laughs> uh, tour dates and more information can be found at kathyladman.com. C-A-T-H-Y-L-A-D-M-A-N.com. And for the record, Kathy Ladman's voice sounds like this. <laughs> and umami burger, so umami won't do substitutes, so basically at umami, the customer is not first, we are. <laughs> I think that's, it's, it's your umami. It's umami. <laughs> My other guest for lunch is another comedy legend, Paul Provenza, ladies and gentlemen. In addition to being a brilliant comedian and writer, Paul is also a director and producer of many projects, including The Aristocrats. If you haven't seen that movie yet, you got to see it. It's, it's where dozens of comedians tell the same joke, and the joke is called The Aristocrats. So, so check it out. Uh, as well as uh, other shows, The Green Room Show with Paul Provenza on Showtime, uh, the improvised stand-up show Setlist, which is basically 
the show is comedians go up on stage and perform comedy from a set list that they've never seen before. It appears on the screen and they have to make it up in the moment. So it's called Comedy Without a Net and it's Comedy Without a Net for a reason. Uh, it's on the Nerdist channel on YouTube. It's also on Sky Atlantic channel in the UK. You can follow Paul Provenza on Twitter at P-A-U-L-P-R-O-V-E-N-Z-A, Paul Provenza, or find him at paulprovenza.com. And for the record, Paul Provenza's voice sounds like this. Yeah, I'm, I'm so tired of it all. I really am. So tired of having everything rammed down my throat. And that includes your husband. <laughs> I don't blame you. I'm tired of it too. Uh, if, it's not, if it's not obvious enough... Paul and Kathy have been friends for years, so it was another fun reason that they could get together because they just brought out stories and laughs from each other that I would not even know about in any way. But it was fun to to hear and almost be a fly on the wall as these two guys went back and forth. It's a really fun episode. Uh, it is the Grabbing Lunch Podcast, my friends. You can see pictures of my guests, link to conversation topics, or even make a donation to the show at grabbinglunch.com. Plus, a portion of every donation goes to support the L.A. Food Bank here in Los Angeles. It's the Grabbing Lunch Podcast. Uh, Grabbing Lunch, you can like the page on Facebook. Uh, give me a follow on Twitter, at Grabbing Lunch, or just find me the person who's currently speaking, Matt Knudsen, M-A-T-T-K-N-U-D-S-E-N.com or at Matt Knudsen on Twitter. Okay, so with that, here is my lunch with Kathy Ladman and Paul Provenza at Umami Burger in Santa Monica. Let's eat. Hi. Do you want water too, sir? Uh, yes, please. Sure. Thanks. I'm fucked up like a soup sandwich. <laughs> I have to put on sunscreen. Would you like to wear my hat? No, I'll just go like this. Come on this side. Yeah, Come on this side. Can I go on that side? Of, okay? of course. Jesus, I mean, I passed the guy like like a homeless guy talking to himself, and I said, "Jeez," I said this out loud. I said, "God, I relate more and more to these guys every day, more and more." And I said it out loud too. Right. So. <laughs> no. Yeah, Harry Shearer on the grid. Santa Monica, the home of the homeless. That's what, and, and as a matter of fact, I think I saw Harry Shearer walking in the opposite direction. Oh, really? When I was on, when I was walking here, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was him. Wow. Pretty sure. Huh. Well, you've been craving oxtail for a while now. Yeah. <laughs> Shh, don't tell so anyone. Since you left the shtetl. It's, a, it's, a, it's an embarrassment of mine. <laughs> I think. It was a rumor going around town. I don't even town know what that, oxtail is. It's actually oxtail. Mm-hmm. You mean the tail of an ox? Yes. Did you ever eat it? No. Yeah, that just feels like if ever there was like Victor, a Native American dish. Could I ask you a question? Yes. Um, I like that that your bow tie is untied, by the way. I know, right? It's very and casual. it's printed on the it's shirt, nice. too. Yeah, 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 yeah um, solid. Can I get the original no, with... Yeah, it's oh, made it's with green tea. tea. Gotcha, yeah. May I get the original with turkey burger? Wait, or they don't do that? We can't substitute the patties for them. Why not? I'm not sure. Why they just don't Come taste on. the flavor? Oh, you mean they don't they don't want to sully their menu. They are sandwich yeah, yeah, yeah. artists. Right, I understand. Okay, just just wondering. <laughs> Unless you want to bring down the entire empire, Kathy. Which, you know, it's we still need a couple more minutes. Yeah, maybe we have a couple more minutes, yeah. We're kinda still start off with any fries and pick the plate, pizza later. I'm okay. No, uh, good, you guys thanks. want anything? No thanks. Okay, yeah. yeah. Thanks, our seasonal artisan crafted pickle plate is six bucks. Uh, to do a deli, they swap down a pickle plate feed for nothing. 
<laughs> and umami burger, but the, so umami won't do substitutes. So basically, at umami, the customer is not first. We are. <laughs> I think that's it's it's your umami, mommy. It's umami. <laughs> it's your mommy burger. Umami. Burger. <laughs> we didn't call this place Uma You. Uh, I'm oh, good. I'm good with a green bird. I'm, I'm getting a green bird also. I think I'm just gonna do the straight up the original. The original. That just sounds to good. See what all the hullabaloo is about. Is there a hullabaloo? I, I was told there was a whole. I mean, I think we're sitting here a whole, as a result of the hullabaloo. I worked with Carrie Snow recently, and yeah. right after her set, she goes, I'm going to pick up some food at Umami Burger for her and her husband. Good for her. Is that like They're a treat their, for herself? Or? I, she loves it, I guess. They're, they have to put their dog to sleep tonight at uh, 6 which, uh, Sammy. Oh, yeah. that's, uh, the dog's only 100. Sa- no, Rosie was. <laughs> oh, Rosie, yes. Rosie right, was yeah, the one. Rosie. We used to actually, Carrie and I worked at Roseanne together. Yeah. And Carrie was always late, always the last person to arrive. But, and she brought Rosie with her every day, but Rosie knew where the offices were, and Rosie actually arrived at the office before Carrie did. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> just in case Carrie got, got lost, she could just like follow. It was so funny. Yeah. I saw your thing on Facebook that you got the Writers Guild like, oh, certificate yes. for the A lot of people got it. Oh, Roseanne. I mean, everybody who was ever on a staff of any of the 101 shows that were deemed to be the best written shows on television uh-huh. got this certificate. Is that, is that pretty new, uh, new thing? Or? I mean, like the award shows are like a cancer. You know, yeah. they just, they don't stop. It's how much more can we... That's why I refuse to get shows. one. Yeah, that's right. That's why I avoid any you have the integrity, any laud at all. I shirk it. I shirk laud. Yeah. <laughs> if I had any opportunity to sell out, I would do it. In a fucking hard. <laughs> I still have a picture of, that you took of me and Tom from your balcony, uh-huh. <laughs> and it's so long ago that Tom is wearing shorts that are like hot pants. It's like so long yeah. ago. It's in the it's in the it's early, early volleyball. 90s. I think yeah, I masturbated to that picture. <laughs> <laughs> so does Tom. Of course, I had to man. cut Kathy out of it. It's just it's a good looking. Of course. Man. And then another time, I was sitting with you on your balcony, and we were just talking for a long time. Mm. And I didn't realize how long we were in the sun. And I was completely sunburned Ugh. the next day. The farmer's yeah. tan, like but the V-neck. But it's so funny how the things like there were certain events in your life you just remember, and that's mm-hmm. one of them. I call it like like snapshots. You can like remember something from 30 years ago, not in full detail, but you remember right. like I got the worst sunburn. Right. And that's how you see it. that phenomenon. There are people who are spending their whole lives literally in snapshots. And, and how we doing? Uh, yes. Oh yes. Did we order it or we didn't? Okay. Start your office. We were so in, we would had so decided that I thought we'd order. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we are both having the green bird. The green bird. Okay. And we can't amend anything on it, right? Okay. Well, you could always add lettuce, tomatoes, oh. caramelized onions, okay. and add chilies. No, I'm good. I like the way this is. Thanks. Okay. Just wondering. Okay. You better. Uh, I'm going to get the original umami burger. Medium With right? several changes. I'm going to make cha- I change everything. No, uh, <laughs> just the regular fries, yeah. In a different yeah. restaurant. Intruder, sector five. <laughs> <laughs> Insurgents. And medium is fine, right? Um, yeah, that's fine. However you guys normally do it. I'll take the... The regular, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look at this First trust time us combo. We choose, you enjoy. Awesome. Can, like, tell Thank you. you. Oh, can we just keep one just to? Yeah, thanks. Just to look at. Just to make fun of. Just to rip. Okay, awesome. Thank, hey, you. Thank you. So they, desserts. People live their life in snapshots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 
literally they have ca- they were they were in cameras and it takes a snapshot like every 10 seconds or something or 20 uh-huh. seconds or something like that uh-huh. and then it's actually collected and they build timelines of a life well I mean I've seen of a whole life of an entire I mean I've wow. seen ones that, that were experiments where people have taken pictures of themselves through intervals you know, and you is, see them run really fast there's yeah. like a whole a girl beard like a whole, wow. it's some sort of a weird research project uh, I don't know what the hell they're researching, but it, it, it's narcissism. Um, it's well, 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 University of Connecticut. No, it's, it's, actually, it's actually related to a study in artificial intelligence, uh, and the idea of uh, who you are is not your genetics, but your experience. Interesting. Yeah, it's, so it's nature very versus complex. Nurture Obviously, kind can't, of thing? Can't yeah. really, no, it's just it, 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 the idea is that if you could. If you could, your brain is essentially just data. Right. right. So if you could store all the data, when you die, you right. still exist in data form. Hmm. Right. It's wow. The, yeah, it's really trippy. And then, wait, and then, how do you re, how do you reanimate that data? Well, that's 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 the sequel. Mm. And you put it in Walt Disney's yeah I think body. A, that's the the idea behind what is what is a person, what is a personality. Wow. Uh, well, because, you know, we're going to be run by robots. Oh, it's a question. I mean, Skynet has already become self-aware. Robot slaves. Yeah. Yeah. We are? Oh, yeah. It's slaves to the robots? Uh, yes. Wow. Yeah. Hopefully they're, you know, they're, they're kind masters, you know. Do you think? Do you really it's, think To so? me, it's a lot like government now anyway, so, you know. Amen, man. Yeah. This yeah. This conversation is being recorded in many ways. Yeah. Yes. There, there's it an is. audio podcast, right. and then there's... Right. There's the drone yeah, with the big yeah. parabolic it's, dish that just sure like find several cameras right now. Prevents us on the move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, I think like, I, like with the Facebook and the, and everyone has their own thing. Everyone's the star now. You know, there's they're the star of their own. It's like the Truman Show. You're everyone's right. their own You're Truman. Right. I've noticed true. that in audiences. Yeah. I've noticed. Have you noticed that in audiences? That they're so they, like they are the star e- of the show. Yeah, yeah. There's this tremendous sense of entitlement. And, oh yeah, and, I mean, but I've noticed that for a long time from from the audience. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, How they palpable. dictate. They they really dictate what can be said and what can't be said. They in want essence. they want I mean, what they want, not what you want to give them. Right. Ooh. Yeah, that, oh, I like, oh, hate you, that. Oh. It's like the love connection. And I say, hey, I'm Umami Burger. <laughs> you take what I give you. That's right. No substitution. This is not Umayu. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Even God. Burger King says it, you can have it your way, and that's a piece of shit place. <laughs> right, right. If your way is a piece of shit, then you can have it your way. Oh, God. Uh, that's so true. Yeah, there's a level of indignance. And also, there... Even just 10, 10 years ago, people didn't have the medium to express their outrage. Yeah. They could just read yeah. the paper right. and like, fuck that right. guy. But now they right. can like, all of a sudden everybody's opinion counts. Well, El- did you air quote counts? Elvis- yeah. uh, Say it again? I did not. But I asked if he air quoted counts, their opinion counts. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, because it actually does count. Um, they don't even give Victor a parking space here? Jesus Christ, what the fuck? Maybe he, yeah. I we just our, our waiter is actually going out and plugging the mi- the the meter. What is it? What is it? That is. Hey, Victor. They don't give you. They don't give you a parking space. Uh, what? You can't park in a the lot. There's like a hundred spots. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I was just parking. That's crazy. <laughs> Unbelievable. 
oh my god, this place is getting more and more like um, like narcissistic. umami. Yeah. yeah. Well, you just got to take, you know, three dollars an hour off your wage because you got to plug the meter. If you think about it like that. Yeah. Jesus, and yeah, these are expensive meters. They're at least, I think they're at least two dollars an hour. Here, yeah. Did least. you see that thing with McDonald's? How like they had the website about how they they can make their employees stretch their their salary more. They're like, oh, you know. Good. Oh, that's Re- their- recycle Christmas gifts. Right, right. Uh, apply for food stamps. Is that McDonald's? <laughs> that's their idea of a public service. Yeah. Well, that was McDonald's or Walmart. Yeah. No, Walmart I was giving out like food, canned foods for their employees. Oh, really? Yes. That, yeah, that's right. I read that. They, they like, had a food a drive in, within the store for their underpaid employees. Yeah, look, we're not going to pay them anymore. <laughs> right. So somebody <laughs> feed them, please. But bring them a can of tomato paste. They're starting to pass out at the checkout counters. <laughs> What a great phone case! It's oh my the God, no, rubberized fabulous. cassette case. Oh my God! You almost great. want to take a pencil and put it in the back and spool it back in. Yeah. Nobody will steal this phone. That's, that's, that's true. so funny. What is that iPhone from 1984? Yeah. No way. That's right. This wow. iPhone only plays Bon Jovi. I want to get the turntable <laughs> iPhone case. <laughs> Hello. This is so awkward, but it's so worth it. I know, it. it really is. Look how cool it is. Yeah. At least get like the 45, because that's like more of a manageable iPhone case. Vinyl. Yeah, the vinyl is the, the hip thing now. Yeah. The vinyl I, iPhone. I'm releasing it on vinyl, even though no one can play it on vinyl. But it has a coupon I gave for my I gave my nephew a box of my 45s, you know, one of those. You don't know, because you're no, so young. I, I, of course I do. But it's one of these boxes that holds about that many 45s. Yeah. And it's gone. That's so sadly it's gone. It's gone in the sense like he likes it and has it. They probably gave it away. Right. I have one of those. I have one of those with an original issue of, um, uh, I forget what the song is, but the billing on it is just the crickets. It's not even Buddy Holly in the crickets. Wow. Wow. Trippy, right? This is pre-Buddy Holly or this is? He was... It was just, they would just build us the crickets. Oh, I see. Wow. I mean, can you remember going over to your friend's house to listen to records? <clears throat> with the speakers that hooked on, that, that, <laughs> that hooked off. on, yeah. right? The stereo, and yeah. you pulled them out with these wires yeah. that attached. Yeah, the portable stereo that you <laughs> right. need a hand that truck to move. Like, I, know. <laughs> I have one of those sewing machines. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Let me put my weightlifting belt out. I gotta listen to a few tunes. Right. I think I'll just put a handle on this refrigerator. <laughs> call, it, call it portable. I'm just thinking about like the crickets trying to make a run after Buddy Holly. They're like, eh, where, where are the crickets? I'm like, oh, boo. Well, wait, was it the crickets before Buddy Holly? It was Holly before they after? started billing it oh. as Buddy Holly. Oh, okay. Cricket, it wasn't right. after he was no. gone. No. That's like the beaters okay. without Billy Vera. We're the beaters, boo. <laughs> yeah. No. I don't know. Yeah, I just found a, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm clearing out. So I, right. I oh, my God. Found, it's kind uh, of fun. It's kind of fun, but it's—I mean—it's a lot of things. But part it's of it's a is lot fun. of things. Yeah. Yes. Um, but uh, I found a thousand cassettes that I'll, I, I have to figure out how to copies of this, like from the early days when you and I were just starting out. You we mean cassettes from stand-up? Oh yeah. my God! I've Old saved sets? some of them. I've wow. saved thousands. some of them. Oh, cool. thousands! Oh God! Someday I'm going to listen to them. I didn't right. listen to them then. Oh, that's so... I used to listen to them every day. I used to, and then I got bored with myself. I know. Uh, Stop listening. You know, I have to go back... To, I'm sorry, I have to go back to this menu, but... A place... There's a certain kind of place that has the 
Okay, LA Creamery Vanilla Bean Ice Cream. It's vanilla ice cream. Right. Okay. Right. The, the over adjective ace, adjectivization <laughs> oh, yeah. is crazy. With a beta root beer, Mexican Coke. Which just means it's made with sugar instead of corn syrup. Right. And yeah. or oh, is that what it means? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. If anything's produced in Mexico, it has okay, sugar. they have to use the brand name. We couldn't just say orange yeah. soda. So, did you see this board game now? There's a board game. It's like Trivial Pursuit, but no, all the answers you have to identify logos, brand logos. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's a com- it's so a, disturbing. It's so yeah. Idea. So disturbing. Yeah. There was some video I saw on YouTube. This this guy like was sitting down with uh, five year olds at a kindergarten, and he like had pictures of the presidents, and they you know they would like flash him, and then they like got to Ronald McDonald. Ronald McDonald. They oh, yeah. all knew. They all wow. knew all the characters. Yeah, of course. You know, we Colonel love- Sanders. Milan, all of a sudden, like, I don't know, we are sometimes saying, keys, 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 keys on oh, their eyes. No. <laughs> if it's just shrill and annoying enough, it burrows in oh. to your brain. Yeah, I'm, I'm so tired of it all. I really am. I'm so tired of having everything rammed down my throat. And that includes your husband. <laughs> I don't blame you. I'm tired of it, too. <laughs> Yeah, I'm completely tired of it. <laughs> completely. Hey, I have a question for you. I was talking with somebody about this. Uh, I was talking with Dan Pasnick about this just, oh, just okay. l- the other night. What's the story with you and Jerry Seinfeld in college? Who started doing stand-up first? Um, Jerry and I met. I'm so tired of telling this story, but I'll tell it for you. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a, it's Jerry a, it's a and request. I met. When's the last time met. you had to tell a story? In, enough times. Really? But Jerry and I met on a team tour to Israel. That's right, the wow. team tour. Right, and we wow. became boyfriend. He was like my first boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And I was 15 and he was 16. And during that summer, we used to talk about comedy and stand-up. And he remembers that I told him, I was the first person who ever told him you could be a stand-up comic. Wow. He will credit me with that. Right, that's great. Yeah, that's but, amazing. But then we, I broke up with him. Right. And he was very sad. And, um, I understand a sixteen-year-old getting. I'm sure he does. <laughs> and um, then I ended up going to Queens College for a semester, and I kind of kept some sporadic touch with him, and I knew he was going there. So I told him I was going there for a semester, and we rehooked up in college. Right, but but who started doing stand-up first? Jerry started doing stand-up first, like four or five years before I did. And then and then he, he, he encouraged, encouraged you. Right, okay. because I was very frustrated, right. I was scared, I didn't want to, I was. Well, I wanted to do it, but I was afraid, and he encouraged me by letter, mostly, because he was in California and I was in New York still, and he wrote me letters and told me, like, that he ran a line of mine by some of his friends, and they thought it was funny. These are many people who've done national television. Wow. <laughs> That's great. Do you still have those letters? Um, may I may have one somewhere. Tucked I don't know. Away. But I do have a picture of me and Jerry someplace at his house in Massapequa. I'm sure um, you have a picture from the team tour. I don't know if I do. You know, it was the days of Instamatics. Calling all Jews. Maybe Calling all Jews. Really? We're here. We need We're a here. Seinfeld team tour photo. Okay, I'm here. I'm, call, I'm, on, I'm on the horn. Yeah. Um, so, um, I have, we do want to have one picture of him and me, like, outside of his door at his house. And he has, like, this shag hair <laughs> And I am way heavier than I was now, and with bad hair. And 
That's about it. I think there's just an era of bad hair. You can't like Maybe. go back I'm and judge it. He's like, yeah, you're going 80s rocker hair. He's like, well, before you laugh at it, everyone had 80s right, rocker hair. Yeah, man, that was a cool thing. Uh, but but the story changed. Yes. That's what. That's why I wanted clarification. Oh, why did it change? Because the story had changed to you started doing stand-up first and convinced him to do stand-up. Oh, no. And then he went crazy. No, and, no, and, no. And you're suicidal. Right. No. That's the story is. It's a crazy story. I'm suicidal? Is it's that a crazy story? story. No, I was just... Oh. You discouraged was, him from doing so. I was just beefing it up for the pitch. Oh, oh sure. okay. Right. Pitch. It's the underdog story. I see it on story. sci-fi. But I remembered, um, I remembered it as... as he, he encouraged you to do it. Later, after yeah. he started, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. but we both wanted to do it that summer. This is uh-huh. the summer of 71. We both yeah. wanted to do it. It was such a different world then. It was such oh, God. a different I mean, world. when Jerry and I got back from uh, Israel, I, we went to Catch Rising Star together one night, and we the cover charge was six bucks a piece. Yeah. And we saw Nancy Lavalle. Remember her? The cow... Cow, she yeah, wore the yeah, cowgirl yeah, yeah, yeah. outfit. Right. And Andy Kaufman. Wow. Right. And he did the flying bongos. Uh-huh. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But um, that was before there was a comedy business. Yeah. It's the, the, the landscape is, it, it, it's it's not just like, oh, it's, you know, we're, we're older, it's changed so much. It's like the difference between the internet and not the it's, internet. Exactly. Right? It's just it's what that I was radical a difference. Yeah. I remember when I was at your place one time in Venice and you were telling me, uh, we were all had dial-up modems at right. the time, and you were telling me that there was going to be like, um, what was it? It wasn't like DSL. It was going to be DSL. It's going to go so fast. And you fast. said it's going to be like turning a page. Right. I remember me say that's another one thing. Yeah, I remember, like, turning a page. Right. Did you ever see the videos? It's. It, 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 I think it all started. There's bunches of them now, but it all started with this one I saw that just it really took my breath away. The video is called. Baby thinks magazine is broken iPad. Oh yes. <laughs> oh man. I'm gonna have to yes. see that one. That's oh yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's gonna win. like, what's wrong with these pictures? Trying to pinch yeah. it and spread it. And... I was just in uh, Nebraska visiting some nephews like six months ago, and I had like a, uh, I got, I intentionally got an old like digital camera where you know it wasn't like any other high-tech stuff i like took a picture and i was showing my nephew and he tried to like take his fingers and squeeze right. out and close right. up it's like well it's not an iphone it's well, uh, it's a regular camera when my niece who is now over 30 and i were playing cash register when she was really little at mm-hmm. her house i was ringing it up and then when it was her turn she was scanning it <laughs> i mean it's all that shit you know yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um now they can play with the tsa they can play with the play school tsa checkpoint no way. <laughs> you yeah. oh, oh, yes, it's absolutely wow. true. Wow. Comes with a little blue oh, polyester shirt. No, no, all those like little, you know, little, little, little play school figures and stuff. And the, oh, my and God. The, um, and, yeah, you the little metal detector. Jeez. And all, uh, wow. I guess that makes stuff. sense. But it's, it's, it's getting, it You pathetic. take your shoes off. You get wanded. You it get the pat down. Wow. So he gets taken away in handcuffs. <laughs> I want to come up with the TSA Guantanamo for the ones who don't make it to the play school. TSA. Your trial is deferred. Play school Guantanamo. <laughs> but could you imagine? Could you imagine if we had the internet back in in the eighties when we were starting out? Oh how we God. were just generating stuff and we couldn't do enough and we just couldn't oh write enough, and perform so enough. And just, could you imagine now? It's like I, we, and now we another never thing I existed. From we I remember, never existed. I know. Yeah. I remember so much yeah. stuff from you. Like I remember. Um, 
you saying, tell me how great a word processor is. You can change it in there. You don't have to retype things. <laughs> it's like turning a page. Just okay. like turning a page. Let me explain to you this DOS thing. Right. Oh my God! <laughs> you have to write the program yourself, but when you do, oh, and now my daughter Milan, Milan is ten, and she's not very empathic naturally. I hope, I hope she really. I mean, she's not. She's not a very empathic person, and it's. I don't know why. But I mean, it's Would something she, that like, I really strangle puppies or what? How does this manifest <laughs> no, itself? No, but she's that's when not. I realized. Yeah. Just when not. I walked and in, I'm she was strangling the dog. I'm not sure why, but um, she uh, did tell me that she felt bad for me one day because I couldn't text with my thumbs. Oh. That was that was the only thing that she could. <laughs> broke her heart. Yes. Oh, mom. <laughs> Oh, I have mother. to use my index finger. Can oh. you text with your thumbs? Uh, well, not on an iPhone, I can't. I was what? wicked Can on my Blackberry. When really? I had a Blackberry, I was wicked with problems. I've never had a Blackberry, so. I don't even do the thing. I just hit the microphone and just like, yeah, five minutes away and just. But, you know, but every if time you want I to say that, something more that. intricate, then. Yeah, but pretend to think I'm Dutch when I do that. Right. <laughs> it comes out with consonants jammed together. Yeah. Well, I have a joke, and it's basically like, you know, I'm driving and you text and drive. It's like, what's worse, texting and driving or proofreading and driving? Like, <laughs> right, right, right. And then even if you see it's wrong, like, ah, send it anyway. It's, right. it's close enough, you know. Well, if they can extrapolate it, then it's okay. But, <laughs> I mean, sometimes they just don't know, like, a really specific word or name. It comes True. out, you know. Or it'll auto-correct, auto or, you know, to something that's not even close. Right. And then at that point, you have to, like, add another letter at the yes. end, like Z. And then it's just really annoying to get that point. And backspace. Then you, yeah. yeah. I know. I know. We're, we live in a very difficult world. It's, oh, I can't mom. imagine what it would be like to be a parent. Like, how can you even, how can you regulate what your child experiences in this day and age? Well, That's a good I mean, question. know how it's yeah. possible. It's very hard. I mean, I, I try to. I don't think I, I don't, I'm certainly not as um, on top of it as others, I'm sure. Um, but I just try to watch and, and say, put that down. That's enough for today. You know. How old is she? Ten. She's sexting yet? No. <laughs> I don't think so. No. Don't worry about it. No, don't worry about it. Uh, I doubt it. I mean, she has. She loves my. She loves catalogs. Uh -huh. Any catalogs I get in the class house, she loves to read, and she likes this one. Solutions. Do you ever get that? Solutions. All no. these gadgets and stuff. I just get problems. I understand. I'm, I'm a member of the Problem of the Month Club. They send <laughs> them right to you. It's nice that you only have one. Yeah. But. There would, all of a sudden in the Solutions magazine, I noticed they had like vibrators and gels Oof. and stuff. So I just, she said she wanted to hold on to that one, so I just ripped those two pages out. Wow. I mean, where the hell is this? There's like good sponges and dusting cloths, and then there's like a rabbit and a, and oh a duster. And, you know. <laughs> Perfect oh, for wow. a 10 year old. Oh, hey, great. So I have uh, two green birds. Yes, two right green here. Green birds. And the bun is stamped Thank with you very a U. Much. Oh did they come God. like that, or did you have to like brand them? It's How branded, that work? and it oh, screams like when it's really? branded. They come like that. Mm -hmm. Wow. From Amazing. where? Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank we you. make them all in-house, so it's a branding. Thanks. Are there any, is Wait. there another... Oh, do we have setups over Mine is stamped with the yellow star. Is that done on purpose? I did not get it at all. Yeah, that's all right. Well, you know, when you play to the highest intelligence of the room, you're you're going to lose some... Umami waiters. It's bound to happen. Wow. I can't believe what it's is This is pretty impressive looking bird. Very impressive. 
I guess apparently that the Melrose Improv, the um, the new restaurant that they're putting in, is like yes. umami chef inspired. The guy who oh, it is? does umami is taking over that. Yeah, that's what I understand. Mm. Yum. I like the old improv where they just slapped together some meat and stuck it on some bread. <laughs> but I don't want this. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Hmm. I love Antonio. Um, yeah, he's, man. Yeah, so he's, great. He's, he, he, I can't believe it. I moved out here in 1980, and on like my like second day of being here went to the improv met Antonio and Eddie the bartender Great. oh my god and they're both still there oh they're both my god. still there I remember it's the first time a... Eddie called me by my name I was just over the moon I was like he you know it was like William Morris was like you wow you know, I'm, Eddie that was my name the next step stardom stardom <laughs> question of time that was how I felt when I was recognized like after doing comedy for two, three months, mm-hmm. I was recognized on the 104 bus going up Broadway because <laughs> someone had seen me in the Triple Inn on 52nd Street or something. The Triple Inn, which mm-hmm. was spelled with two P's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> spelled with two B's? P's. Oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah, it is just like little incremental things because, you know... What if that was the height of what your career was, being recognized on the bus? I think it was. <laughs> but it was an uptown bus, baby. That's right, it was. I hope that's a big island. You're not the, out in the Bronx. Um, great David Brenner story. Uh-huh. That was first Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. Do you know this story? No, I don't. Oh, it's beautiful. He was, he literally like had to borrow money to buy the suit to do the show, you know, to, and... Um, I think it was the one who was And, yeah. uh, he did his first bond. It was great. And he said, and the next day, he goes, I'm on the subway. Right. This guy's sitting across from me, staring at me. And I'm just kind of, you know, and he's staring and staring. And he just looks at me and goes, and he points across the thing. He just goes, you're funny. <laughs> and I said, well, thank you very much. And he turned to the guy on his left and he went, you're Funny. And he turned to the guy and his Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Did it really happen or is it just a joke? I don't know. I don't it's know. It's hilarious. I hope it did. Yeah. It's too great. And instead of being recognized, everyone recognized that guy was insane. Yeah, he goes, I was the only idiot saying thank you. Ah. You're funny. Please don't talk to me. <laughs> wow, that's hilarious. That's a comic for you. Everyone yeah. moves away and the comic just takes adoration <laughs> anyone. What was your favorite bit? <laughs> First show, second show. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I must say, we made fun of the menu and the um, all the rules and regulations here at Umami Concentration mm-hmm. Camp, but <laughs> it's a fantastic program. I actually just bought that exact shirt, Paul. Really? Yeah. I think almost exact this shirt. This one? Yeah, it's kind of like the wash. Here at Fred Siegel? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. Do you have to, are you an escrow on a shirt? <laughs> really? No kidding. <laughs> we had to look at your credit score, you can't afford a shirt girl. I'm so sorry that's what gets me I actually did go in there like you're, you're, you're like piling through some of the racks oh. and you're like oh this is it's that like if you have to ask you can't afford it like everything? yeah everything's thank great you. yeah thank you very much it's like a $200 shirt it's like I could never legitimately enjoy wearing a $200 shirt I'd be too nervous it's gonna be 
I went to Marshall's yesterday, got two shirts, two pairs of pants, and like a, a bag of undershirts for seventy-five dollars. Wow! Like, this is yeah. They're like getting rid of all the like the summer, right. winter stuff. So I was buying like two ten-dollar pairs of pants. Oh my god! I'll love those pants so much more than like if I spent the regular eighty dollars on them. You know, I would rather just wear two hundred-dollar bills. <laughs> <laughs> What was that, that Geico commercial? That guy's made out of money, right. driving around? I mean, you're doing it just to get laid anyway. Why not cut out the middleman, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember being in Barney's one time for some reason. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. But I remember seeing a shirt for $700. Wow. I was shocked. $700 shirt. Mm -hmm. I once blurted out in a store, like, $75 for a t-shirt. I could get head for 40. <laughs> Did you? Oh, that's so funny. How'd that go over? Yeah. A lot of salespeople don't, don't cotton to, yeah. You know what this costs downtown? Actually, we're sitting here on the street and we're just seeing some guy get pulled over by a Santa Monica motorcycle cop. He's reaching in, getting the registration. And he pulled over pulled the, over. The, the right guy. He is driving a Ford okay. pickup truck. So that's yeah. that's deep pockets on that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah you've ne never, never. You've never been pulled over? Not once? I have a PhD in traffic school. <laughs> um, I mean, look, not like I haven't broken the law. I know I have. Just never got caught. I yeah. actually had to leave the country for... for um, infractions to fall off my record because... <laughs> no, are you yeah, serious? Did, did. No, I'm not kidding. I had I got an, uh, yet another ticket and it was like, you know, one of them was going to fall off my record in like three months. So I, I just left the country for like four months. <laughs> that was the points goal so I wouldn't lose my license. Wow. Unbelievable. Oh, you would have lost your license. Or whatever they do, suspension or, you know, whatever that thing right. is. Right. Right. It was automatic if you get a certain number of points to serve. Right. I don't even know what that is. Actually, I read that they were going to lower the blood alcohol content uh, for a DUI now. Of course It's like point oh eight to like... More point, revenue? Or yeah. to be safer? I always I'd think like it's more hope. revenue. Yeah. Public it? safety is always, in my mind, the least of their concerns when they're coming up with new laws and You know, stuff. my stepdaughter's fiancé is uh, is from Hungary, and he's, he's there right now, and it is... Um, we have zero tolerance mm -hmm. for alcohol and driving. You can't have any alcohol in your system. Yeah. I was just in Hungary in September. Oh, My wow. wife is first-generation American. Her mom immigrated to Hungary during the 56 Russian Revolution. So, like, her wow. cousins, her first cousins and stuff live in Hungary, and so we were there for, like, three Wait, weeks. They went year. to Hungary? <laughs> no. They um, immigrated from her mom. It's such a great story. Her mom was like in, in high school and, uh, oh great, thank you. Her mom was in high school in like 56, Russians were taking over. The U.S. said that they would back a, a Hungarian revolution to try and topple right, right, the, right. the communists, right. you know. And so this is the era where Russians were coming in to schools and like killing children in front of the other school kids so that they would like just comply and be I think that was the 90s too wasn't it? It, was the, it was Sochi it was the Sochi Olympics but they would come in and um, you know they kill these kids so she went to go in a, in a salt ration line uh, she was 16 years old she was waiting in this long line to get salt and a friend of hers said there there's a 
people leaving. There's an underground way to get out of the country, but you have to leave right now. So she was 16. She Whoa. had never even left her, her village, her, her Hungarian village. She left and like fled to Austria and from there came to America. And she could not go home again until... Wow. By the time she went home, she was in her 30s. She had three daughters. And the first time that she saw her parents was decades later. And she brought a pound of salt and set it on the table. Like, wow. I'm, I'm back. Yeah, um, it's, wow. It gives me goosebumps every time I think about it. And her mom is so great. It's so sweet. Wow. You know? So where does her mom live now? They live in Connecticut. Okay. And actually, her mom is uh, from Hungary. Her dad is Cuban from Cuba. Wow. And the way that they, like the American government, I guess kind of took care of the Hungarians when they said, hey, you know, revolt and we'll back you. And then they didn't back them. And they're like, well, if you run, we'll give you citizenship and we'll help you find a job. So the government gave um, her mom a job as a maid in this affluent Cuban household. This is like pre-Castro. Oh, so, that's just ironic. It's like, <laughs> cut to. Yeah. What? Yeah. So um, huh. she was a maid working at, um, at this Cuban household, and my, her father's cousin, it was her house, and he would come over there all the time, and that's how they met. And they got married and had three kids. But, wow. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. But yeah, we were just there in September, and there is, like, they can't, you can't drink at all. You know, if you have even, like, a sip of beer, you're going away for like a long time, mm -hmm. and it's oh. such a like a, a payoff society. I hate to say that, but oh yeah, yeah. Oh. it's really corrupt. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, they they, well, they made a big leap because pretty much anything went for a long time when it comes to alcohol in Eastern Europe. You can do anything. I think mm -hmm. <laughs> Trump right. up your ass in Eastern right. Europe. Right, it's mm -hmm. true. <clears throat> wow. Is he just there visiting Hungary right now? Or no, he lives no over he's there? Play, he plays basketball, so he's on a team there. Cool. So she's leaving there. She hasn't seen him in a while, you know, because she can't stay for more than three months. Right. When he comes here, when he went to school, they met at UCSB. Oh. So he had a scholarship there. But after school, then he played for the Lakers for like a month. Wow. And he did training camp with them and a couple of things, and then he had to go back. And so he played in Spain last year, and that didn't really work out well. And then came back to the States, and then got a job uh, on a team, and is doing really well. It's doing very really impressive. Well. So, he, so she's going to be there for three months, and they're getting married in Minneapolis in June. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Budapest is one of those uh, Eastern European cities that didn't get bombed a lot. So, uh -huh. it, like, you go there and they still have, like, it's the original old, huh? architecture. Oh, wow. It's gorgeous. But yeah. you can also see, like, bullet holes from the revolution. You, you can actually yeah. see the remnants of it. Yeah. Wow. It's really Crazy. wild. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Hungary's great, but the people are... It's kind of devoid of hope. I, really? I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but it's just the people feel oppressed because if they tried to... You know, change things. The economy's not great. There's not a lot of jobs, you know. Even, like, guaranteed government work. I said it in the, you know, I had a joke. People make $200 a week. You know, as blue-collar workers, that's 10 grand a year. And I, like, talk about, like, sitting next to my Hungarian cousin watching TV when a Cash for Gold commercial comes on. It's just like, out of all your unwanted gold. And it's just like, <laughs> Oh, God. Wow. Like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm a... I'm an American dick. Yeah. Uh, so. Have you noticed more and more of those cash for gold and, and yes. consolidating credit? You took, I don't have that gold. We'll buy your a lot more than ever, man. Yep. Right. 
wish they had an opt out. Opt out of this whole system. <laughs> I think it's called suicide. <laughs> the you ultimate try, opt out. <laughs> you try and live like Walt Whitman suggests, and you'd be in prison in six days. Yeah. Just if you grow your beard too long, you're an agitator. There he is. Uh, uh. Uh, this cabin you've built in the woods. <laughs> Do you have a permit for the sewage? Has it been tied into the main lines? Are you? Forget it. You're dead. <laughs> Now, did you have a permit to build that load road less traveled? No, I, I, no, I, I, I didn't. Oh, yeah, there's a toll. There's <laughs> a toll. Is it a union job? Did you hire enough? Yeah, crazy. I can't wait for the revolution. Well, the guy got his ticket, and he's, he's on his way. Yeah, he's going to be at the forefront of the revolution. He's got a truck. We're behind you. <laughs> it's the flashpoint for the revolution. I was fined $120. This is like the commons who used to get gigs in Jersey. Well, my, my first paid gigs were only because I had a car. Oh, yeah. that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If somebody was really bad, they said, you know, the joke was that he sent an 8 by 10 of his car. <laughs> <laughs> Can you get yourself oh, yeah. to Boston in four hours? Yes, I can. Right. You're famous. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, if you could do 10 minutes and you could drive out to Jersey or Long Island, oh, you could actually get stage time. Mm. Have you guys done the Governor's Club out we there? Is that a big? Yeah. 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 We're a lot it's about so it. Oh, yes, and the last time I did it, it's such a bad time. Yeah. I can't play that room. It's too rough. It's, it's, it's hard, right? It's, it's really, horrible. It's um. I can't um, do what I do there. It's right. a very Opie and Anthony comedy. Oh club, yeah. Right? I yeah, can't they, do what I like do there. Like it really rough and tumbly. Hmm. Not big fans of nuance, huh? No. <laughs> no. Dry, I hate subtlety. Dry, dry. No. Right. Books, no. Thoughtful. We're gonna pass. No, we're not interested. Did you take some time off of stand-up? It seems like it, doesn't it? I don't do as much as I used to at all. Well, I know we're all taking time off now. Um, never intentionally. Never said, I'm not doing it for a while. No. No, I mean, I actually think some of the stuff that I'm doing now is my favorite stuff because it's so much darker. Mm -hmm. It's so much more honest. And my bullshit meter is so much more sensitive now. Interesting. That even when I do something on stage, it's slightly inauthentic. While I'm doing it, I'm going, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm mean. still not doing it. I mean, I can't even I can't even pinpoint the variable that is the reason. A, a combination of so many reasons. It's my age. It's how long I've been doing it. It's that I have a kid. It's that I'm just, I'm just like on a cellular level changing as a person mm -hmm. that I just, you know, I don't know who I am right now. I just don't know who I am. Uh, uh, My hair is changing. Everything about me is changing. Right. I have a bad foot. <laughs> well, there's 20 Everything. minutes right there. That's exactly what I'm thinking. A bad foot. Everything about me is changing. Mm -hmm. And I've never been good with change, but I really suck at it now. But wait a minute. You've had I'm other periods of, of great change as well, haven't you? For some reason, this is more acute than anything I can remember since my early 20s. Really? Yeah. Huh. 
wow. Yeah. It's hard for me to articulate it, but yeah, I can understand. Take yeah. my word for it. <laughs> you feel it internally. It's oh, hard God. to put it into words. <clears throat> yeah, and it's also scary to put it into words because, you know, it makes me very vulnerable to put it into words. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Carlin said that it wasn't until jamming in New York, which was '92 that he said he finally felt like an artist. Like he finally figured out his voice. Hmm. 92? 92. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Did he he put a pinpoint on why? On what? Uh, On why? Um, No, but... but Just a convergence of of many things. Yeah, it's just, it it was just, it was the jamming in New York show that, you know, while while he was doing it, he felt it, and then afterwards he, he... very clear on that's the kind of work I want to be doing. Mm. Right. And like I finally achieved that. I think it was, he pointed a lot to the fact that his performance and his writing had finally sort of ended up in the same place together where he felt good about everything right. mm-hmm. at the same time. And um, and it was a bit more effortless, it was a bit more natural for him. Um, all those things. I don't know. I don't know if that anybody can actually pinpoint anything. It's also ethereal. Right. But, um, I mean, he's a guy who started in the '60s, and right. it wasn't until 1992 that he felt he had really. It's pretty amazing. Was, Thirty right. years in. It's incredible, right? Thirty years in. Yeah, that's crazy. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So there's there's hope. Could be a good feeling. Could be a good thing. You know, Marvin Gaye. Some new work. I love those sunglasses. Those glasses. Yeah. It's just. It's yeah, very different. It's very different. You know, where I, I knew uh, where I was going for so long. It seemed like I knew where I was going. Right. So who knows? Right. No, thanks. I think we're good. And then to sort of feel unmoored. But you're, but you were, you were unmoored creatively, but not in your life. I mean, you were unmoored for a lot longer previous to your life sort of stabilized quite a bit. Your life is more stable now than it was when you were younger. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to, um, separate. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I do feel as I've gotten older, not that I've lost uh, like a uh, youthful optimism, but it does, maybe it goes from a 10 to like, oh, now we're at an 8, you know, and then I, I don't know if it just kind of like tapers down as you go, or you just need to like stoke that again. Or? Well, you know, it's weird because I, I, I've experienced that in, in polar opposite ways. Uh-huh. Like I've experienced that and it's made, it, it's made me, you know, sort of cynical. But then I've also experienced it exactly the same way, but it's actually, you know, made me really uh, uh, expansive. It's actually really opened up possibilities. And, you know, it's like, I think there's a certain healthy level of apathy. Yeah. You know, and when you let go of sort of like the, the fantasies or the kind of kind of youthful sorts of visions right. of reality and, and you really embrace the realities that can some, in some ways be actually really liberating. So I've, I've had it affect me both ways, you know, at various points, mm-hmm. where I'm just like miserable and and just everything is just jaded and, simple, and other ways that it's just creatively tremendously uplifting to not 
not care about that stuff right. anymore. You know, That's and, great, to, right? and to just embrace right. I saw, I that completely agree. things are kind of fucked up. Right. You know, own it. Good you know. The analogy was also offered to me many years ago about, you know, a lobster where if, when it sheds its uh, shell, that it's very sensitive, um, it, you know, initially and can, it can really hurt, but then it gets a new, gets a new shell, shell. Uh-huh. and then it feels better again, you know, and, and then, but then it's kind of constant. It keeps happening. It's cyclical. So Kathy will be appearing at Butter Sauce in New Jersey. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Five shows. Tickets are going fast. You don't know me with the pinchers. (laughs) (laughs) Or pincers. Pincers. Yeah. Kathy will be appearing in Solutions Magazine. Look for her featured article. (laughs) Right next to the rabbit. Oh, God. So ridiculous. (laughs) Clean your sink. It's a weird thing because the ageism thing is also very, very real. I right. mean, we, we feel it all the time, you know. Oh yeah. And and um, the irony of it is, is that if you get in front of younger crowds, all your experience and your talent, and your skill comes to bear, and they almost always respond to more experienced acts anyway. Right. You know, and it's funny to be doing it in alternative rooms because there's nothing alternative about it. You know, if it works, it works. Right. The only thing that's alternative about it is the room. Right. right. You know? And who said you were cool? Yeah. You know, yeah. There's these kind of like outliers, I guess. They're like, oh, have you heard about this? This thing's happening. This, oh, you need to know about this. And then somehow, if you don't know about that, that person, I think, thank you very much. <laughs> You're somehow uncool. Yeah. But you would think, you you know, you would think that, that, that you know, there would be a, a, a disconnect in terms of the audience relating to, you know, a guy in his 50s. But funny is funny, and it, it actually really doesn't matter. I couldn't agree more. But people have the perception that it matters. Right. right. And it's all, I mean, it all comes from the top because people are, oh, they always think that finding something new is going to be the answer to bringing in money. Yeah, but here's the weird thing about that. And I don't, I don't think it's if Erwin Corey, right. if Professor Erwin Corey showed up now, if Bob Newhart showed up doing what he did back in the 50s right. now, right. they would be innovative and the newest thing and, right. and would blow people's of minds. Of course. You know, uh-huh. so they're actually, it's just, it's really just recycling the same stuff. People the are same afraid sorts of death. Of and when they look at you and me, they're reminded <laughs> of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't pay $15 to be reminded of death. <laughs> look at her skin, I'm leaving. <laughs> no, it's true. It's like that with fashion too. Like kind of the the, uh, the hipster look with the suspenders and the, the yeah, yeah, tapered yeah. clothes. That's the twenties. Yeah, 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 right. oh, it's always like that. I mean, so it's just coming back. You know, yeah. mid-century. It's mid-century. the mid-century. Yeah. yeah, it's the fifties. Yeah. The skinny ties, the Don Draper. It's like, well, kind of, but. I don't know, it's weird. It's weird. I mean, it's like, it's it's weird because my life has been all stand-up, you know, right. and consumed right. by comedy. So I don't have, everything that I experience is filtered through comedy. So, but to talk about what, you know, what's different, what's different in my life is, is comedy. It's not, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm still single. I don't have a family. Like, I, I'm actually, I relate more 
to 25 year olds in the audience than I do to my 50 something year old peers, actually, in terms of my life experience. I'm not here. You know? Right. But that's weird because. Because my life is all comedy. To do comedy about my life being about all comedy is really confusing. <laughs> the show within the show. Yeah, it's like, how do you, you know, that's the only thing that I can really relate with because I don't, I don't have any common, uh, uh, I really don't have a common existence with the average audience member except for comedy. You do comedy. I it's think about weird. that too. When but you no, but like, you have other things that you experience in life. Yes, but but not those big sort of those big sort of signposts. Right. You know, relationships, marriage, families. Uh, you know, all that sort of stuff that everybody seems to experience. Jobs. I, jobs. Yeah. Jobs. Security. Yeah. All of that stuff. It's like I don't I don't actually have that experience. <laughs> so I can't relate to my peers. I actually relate more to younger people who. Right. Who aren't at that place yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. So funny how, like, I think that strange. happens with other, like, even, like, outside of stand-up. Like, my, my brother and my, like, sister-in-law, I have, like, nieces and nephews, and they had other friends and relationships, but suddenly they kind of, like, paired off, and their new group of friends were other parents because right. they see them at the games. Yeah, exactly. And the Little League things, and yeah. so this is your new set, and your friends from high school, college, they're kind of... Not that they go by the wayside, but you just like it's not talk to him in right. months. Yeah, we used to go out to Umami Burger all the time, and now we don't even see each other. No, I think that's kind of built in. Yeah, it's just really strange. That's why I love I love seeing people like Rick Overton and Richard Lewis out in the ah. alternative room. Just oh, yeah. thing, you know, it's, it makes me so happy. Rick Overton, friend of the show. Yeah, we did one. Uh, it's amazing. Like a couple of few. He's great. Yeah, and he's kind of timeless too. Yeah, he is. Yeah. That's that's the thing. That's Somebody told me um, something about Rick, which I just thought was so insightful and funny. Some of his material was so groundbreaking and hilarious, but it has become the thing that people joke about as cliche comedy stuff. He's like, "Why don't you make the whole plane out of the black box?" Oh, oh, there, Rick Overton has probably come up with half of what's considered stock these right. days. Right. Rick was among the first to do that. Yeah, that's what happens. I mean, that's what happens. Make the whole plane out of the black box. That's a great joke. Well, I always, you know, I always said whoever, you know, whoever was the first guy to do the what part of the chicken does the nugget. It comes from. <laughs> I mean, it's an awesome joke it's first time you heard it, you know? Right. right. Awesome joke. Yeah. That's one of the uh, nuggets. Yeah. My Hokey Pokey bit was made into a t shirt by somebody. Really? Was that, what was that? What was that? Can you imagine if that's what it was really all about? If that's what it was all about, right. He was watching the take off. t shirt and bumper stickers. Yeah. I mean, are you one of these people? I know Carrie was one of these people, a couple of comedians. <laughs> Their stuff ended up being lifted for uh, an ad campaign. Like some advertising agency lifted their material. And the one person that comes to mind is um, Rob Schneider. He had that that bit about um, dude meaning different things depending on the inflection in the tone. So it's just like, it's just like if someone's blowing it, dude. Right, right, right. If, like, if someone's like waiting to kill you in their closet, dude. And thank you very much. Thank you. And um, I thought it was like some Budweiser or something. And like a guy like what, tried to make a shot and he missed it. And the guy's like, dude. You know? yeah. That, that in my mind was a straight and I don't even know if I heard anyone else talking about it but you know maybe you just have just your finger on the pulse more than on a uh, radio commercial yesterday for solar panels 
Wow. Yeah. Did they say Rob Schneider for something? He said, I'm Rob Schneider, the comedian. I've done this and that. And he's like, you know, and casual I just have to tell you, he was like a... Rob Schneider is the yeah. solar panel. It was, just, it was just a pure, God, straight endorsement of this company. It was very odd. It wasn't funny. Who books a gig? <laughs> no, no kidding. Who, can I, who would I need I to talk to? I want to be a solar panel. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you, making some energy. The solar panel. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ed Asner does those, too. I've heard them. It's like on AM radio here in L.A. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in a loner car right now, and they don't. there's not even a radio in the car. Really? They don't trust you with the radio. Nah, it's just, it's just, it doesn't work. It's right. broken. That's funny. I did a commercial campaign for Radio Shack with Norm MacDonald, and uh, they, they hired Norm because he was, he's Norm, and he's got that undeniable voice. You know immediately what it is. Right. And it was funny, and he's, he's he so talking, funny. He's, he's one of my favorite, yeah, like, oh God, of all time. But they did a whole thing, and you know, we recorded for a while, and they scratched the whole thing. It was supposed to be like a radio thing for national. Yeah, I never did get to the end of the story. You know, whatever happened when he was fired from SNL, I forget. I remember he went on Howard Stern to tell the story, and I completely forget. It was many years ago. Anybody know? Well, I don't remember. He went on to a sitcom, I know, not long afterwards. Right. Yeah. Which was really funny. Yes. And uh, uh, dirty work. Which uh, Bob Saget directed. Wow, right. But I mean, what, do you know why he was fired? I think the, the line I heard was he wouldn't let up on the OJ jokes in the weekend update. It, had to do, it actually it had to do with a personal relationship that somebody above him had with OJ. I think it was Dick Ebersol. He used to produce Ebersol. Oh, it was Dick Ebersol. That's right. Right. That's what it was. So, so it looked like it was a very political thing. Like that he was sort of being. You know, uh, paying the price for his satire, but right. really it was it was more of a personal relationship right. thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I knew it wasn't. I knew it was a, 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 a bad scene. It wasn't like it wasn't on above board. I knew that, but I forgot what it was about. And then there's also like there's the line that you're fed, and then there's the truth. Right. And it's nev- they never. You know, yeah. Well, Bill Maher. It's the same thing with Bill Maher. You know, he thought oh, right. it was politically incorrect. It's like. That was one of a number of reasons the show got canceled. But it, it, to put forward that you were canceled because you, you know, stepped on a powerful toes or whatever is grab that narrative and run with it. More power to you. Oh sure. Uh, there's perception and there's reality. Yeah. And when perception is better than reality, just just play perception. Well, I think his current show is better than the other right. show. Anyway, it's great. I mean, it is and I think also too that it's not on ABC; it's on HBO. Yes, Everybody's so he's free reign. Yeah. Wide open. Yeah, wide open. Great writing staff. Mm-hmm. Great writing staff. Yes. Yeah. So is Colbert's staff, my God. What's Colbert, that? Colbert and The Daily Show have amazing writers. Phenomenal. I agree. Amazing writers. I have a couple friends that write on The Daily Show. So last time I was in New York, I you know, got to go and hang out in the offices and like, do some power glad handing and, you know, you try and pretend you're like, nah, I belong here. Hey, hey, yeah, well, you're right here with us at Umami. It's true. <laughs> Forget it. It's true. I mean, I was so, honestly, I was really, really excited you guys agreed to do this. So. Oh, yeah. I love a free meal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I realized? My greatest income in all the years that I've been doing comedy, my greatest income has actually been in t-shirts. <laughs> I, 
just got rid of about a thousand t-shirts. That's amazing. Barely oh, that's right. made a dent. You know, I saved them for one day. I was going to make like a quilt, a quilt of t-shirts. Comic book t-shirts. And I looked at them and I went, Ugh, I don't want to remember this shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I got rid of them. <laughs> So yeah, but every week, thousands of t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. T-shirts and frequent flyer miles. Right. When those become currency, right, I'm sitting pretty. When I can buy a house with drink tickets. Oh boy, I'll tell you what. Things are really gonna start cooking. Or exposure. Right. Or Twitter followers. Like we can't pay you, but I mean this show. Right. Yeah. Really yeah. up your phone. My favorite is we're making a viral video. Like, Video. What you're doing is you're, you're creating a video that you hope will go viral. We're making a blockbuster movie. <laughs> That's exactly it. We're, we're making, making a surefire hit. Like, you want to be involved? Yeah. No. It's, yeah. it's crazy, right? Uh, uh, but we, the time that we came up, late 70s, early 80s, before the boom, right. is a very, very particular time. It was such a fertile, wonderful time. But it was also a time when you got into comedy, there were only two options. There was really no middle class. You know, you either made a lot of money because you were successful, or you really lived hand to mouth. There was no middle class. It wasn't until the comedy boom came that it became like a rational business decision to go into comedy. So everybody that was doing it before that happened was doing it knowing full well that they could be working these shit clubs forever. And they were happy about it. Right. You know, maybe it was really different. Really it was different. great. I mean, to hang out at Catch Rising Star in, in, in hopes of getting on, and then getting on at like 1.30 in the morning and getting your $6 to take a fucking cab across town and then fucking freezing cold and standing inside that newsstand with a plastic around it and the guy's, you know, like trying to push you out. Yeah. And, you know, that was the best, to be able to get on stage. Yeah. It just was to, a, to a handful of people. It just spoke more to people's motivations. You know? Like right. it's amazing now. I mean, you know, I, I spend a lot of time with a lot of young comics. Sure. And I love their energy, and I love, a lot of them are just absolutely brilliant. You know, um, um, doing great stuff. But they're already making you know middle class livings four or five years into doing comedy, and more power to them. That's fantastic. But it just, it, I just struck by the difference. I mean, not, without even putting any value judgment on it, it's just like that's really it's different. Very different. Yeah. I know it's not do, do you have an hour? No, no, I, I have a deal at HBO. Oh, oh, oh yeah, and I don't mean. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of great, great talent, there. and I, I, I really, truly don't want to minimize no, any no, of them or, or say that you know. It's a shame that they have that opportunity. It's at not all. coming off as a smart journey. Wow, is it a different journey? Wow, is it a different journey? Yeah. Wow, it a different journey? Like Penn, Penn Gillette told me a really interesting story when he and Teller just started working as a double act. They were a triple act at one point called the Asparagus Valley Cultural Society. Uh, yeah, yeah, with a, 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 a musician, uh, and uh, he was kind of a, an odd sort of. Brian Eno type I mean he did like really interesting music for the time and um, he decided to leave the, the act and have a normal life and so Penn and Teller decided that they would continue as a double act and they had a few gigs booked on uh, a few gigs on the books as a triple act that they were now going to go and, and do as a double act yeah. and one of them was in uh, Atlantic City 
And it's just, it's just one of the first acts, the first times they were working tandem. Uh, and so they're doing this Atlantic City gig and they look in the paper and they see that um, um, uh, what's his name um, Alan and Rossi Alan and Rossi oh, that's so funny Alan I was going to say Woody Alan that's yes. so funny it was Alan and Rossi okay and for your listeners who aren't aware Alan and Rossi were like if you couldn't get um, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis you got Marty Allen and, and, and Steve Rossi but in the in the in the 60s and 70s, they were a household name. Yeah, I mean, they were oh, on yeah. Every, Ed Sullivan. Yeah. They were on all the talk shows, all the game shows, yeah. all, anything. They were they were a household name. Everybody knew who Alan Rossi was, right? Now they were working in the back of an Italian restaurant off the boardwalk in downtown Atlantic City. But Penn and Teller were like, let's go see Alan Rossi. So they get there, and it's like, you know, 30 people eating dinner, uh, you know, the show happening, whatever, and it kind of a... A sad way to remember them. <clears throat> and Penn turns to tell, this the beginning of their career as a duo. Penn turns to tell her and he goes, You know, in 30 years, this could be us. <laughs> and he said, Tell her just like without even flinching, just kept watching Alan and Rossi. And about a minute later, just went, Yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> and, and he told me that story and it struck me in that. In a really emotional place, it was like, yeah, man. There was a time where all we wanted to do was just get on stage and make people laugh, and that—that's. When did that stop being enough? You know, and that threw me into a tailspin. Like I can't tell you. <laughs> so you tried to get booked at this off, but yeah. Well, I left the country. I left the country and I went to Europe, where nobody knew anything about me, and I just started um, started doing that all over again. I just started doing little gigs, you know. Open mics and stuff, showcasing and things like that, just to have that experience. Right, I remember this is when you went to yeah. China and stuff like that. Yeah, that was a few. It was yeah. It, it ended up being great for me. It ended up, I ended up working around the world right. out of out of the UK. But right. but it was that story. I very much, I can understand. I really feel that. It was that story really that drove me. It's like I want to feel what I felt back then. You I remember when line? Ronnie Shakes died. I was uh-huh. in Vegas working, and Jimmy Brogan was across the street cooking for another club, and he came over. And we were talking about it, and I, and I was crying, and I was, I was really upset. And he was 40 or 41 when he died, and um, and I called my mom just to talk to her about it. And she says, "Well, you know, young people have this um, kind of uh, I can't remember her exact words, but they were, they, they feel immortal, invincible. It's true. And they just don't understand. That it's not kind of in their realm yeah. that that the end of your life could be." There. You know? Could be, yeah. You know, when you're older, it sort of makes more logical sense. But when you're in your 20s, you know, I was happy making $300 a month. Yeah. I was thrilled making $300 a month. Yeah. In cash. You know, I could cover my rent. Mm-hmm. What did I do? Yeah. I mean, I bought food and I had, made, had rent mm-hmm. and paid for the bus. That was it. Yeah, from like uh, 19 to 24, I was a merchant marine. So I was like, yeah, I I sailed all around the world. And I just saw, you know, like Europe, Africa, the Far East. And I put myself in scenarios where I was just, I would not do those things I did now. You know, I would not get in the back of a cab in Shanghai and like, where's the the club, hey, you know. Just it's that impetuous youth that you think everything's going to be okay. What's the difference between a marine and a merchant? 
Merch? Merchant Marine, it's basically like, um, it's called the Truckers of the Sea, uh -huh. where you, you move cargo on, oh, okay. on merchant ships. You ever seen, actually the best movie I saw Merchant about that Marine. was Captain Phillips. I haven't seen it and I have really, it really home. Good. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, and in World War II, you were the guys that were getting bombed with the Merchant Marine. Yeah, I got into that racket, uh, not racket, but I got into that industry right after uh, Gulf One. I started in like 93. So they were, I was working with some guys that had served, and so they were able to get like a like an accommodation or some kind of service medal that <laughs> they had to buy it themselves. <laughs> Give me two of them. I was really brave. Yeah. That's hilarious. Celebrate your service for forty nine ninety five. Well, the good thing about getting older is that I'm, I'm moving from psychotic to eccentric. That's good. I'm looking forward to that. that. Yeah. No, I, I I'm going to be a great, crazy old guy. No, that's Perfect. what I felt yeah. on the street before. About the thoughts, well, I mean, I really feel much closer to that yeah. now. That's great. I totally understand. Like, that I won't be put in, like, in a straitjacket, but the people will cross the street, basically. Yeah. Finally, they'll leave me alone. Right, I know. I mean, now when I get a phone message, I'm like, what? I mean, it used to be, it used to be before I used to come home and, like, love to see the red light flashing on my answering. Like, oh, yeah. Oh my God! It's a horrible day whenever I get mail. When yeah. mail shows up, I don't want to. Look, I I will not check my mailbox for weeks at a time. How do we become so antisocial? I'm, I shouldn't speak for you, but I feel like I've become much more antisocial. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, you're, you're put upon. And most of the time, it's people with, oh. like, wanting something, you know. Not all the time, but there is that level of connection where it's just, you've been pre-approved. Okay, just, is this what's generating my mailbox, yeah. really? Yeah, that's the other thing. We're the police athletically. Would you like to make a donation to a new gymnasium? Yeah, you know what the difference is? You know what the difference might be? It might be as simple as... We've been seeing this for 30, 40 years that already. Could be it too. <laughs> you know, I remember when I got my first credit card offer when I was like 25. Just like, exciting, right? whoa, whoa pre-approved? Yeah. Oh, go on, I made it, I made it. No, you're just like. It's so funny when back then we thought they were doing a favor to us. And, you know, we were the ones who were lining their pockets, basically. That's what. That's what it was. We were prey. Yeah, it's that content now. But I never, I never carried. I've never carried a credit. Card bill. Luckily, I've never carried a credit card bill over into the carbon yeah. interest. But like so many people, the majority of people, you win. You win when you do that. When you don't carry any, any, any. Uh, when I first moved to LA, I took out a fifteen hundred dollar loan uh, from my mom. My mom's a teacher, so she had like this uh, teacher's federal credit union, and I took out like a fifteen hundred dollar just so that I could work long enough for free to meet someone who could maybe pay me fifty bucks. Yeah, you know. I'm sure when he came out, he was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> "Good luck getting that now." Yeah, exactly. You might get copy credit and meal. You're gonna, you need to do more podcasts because they give you lunch. <laughs> I think that's a perfect place to, to end it. Is there anything you guys want to like? KathyLibert.com, uh, PaulBrovenza.com, or Paul any charities you're involved in? PaulBrovenza on Twitter. Um, yeah, you know, follow me Twitter. on Twitter. Follow me down a dark Florida street in hoodie. Follow me. Uh, I yep. am doing a stage reading on my solo show next oh, really? week in Woodstock. Cool. Um, I am. That's great. Um, it's uh, does this show make me look fat? And it's about my eating disorder. Uh -huh. Wow, that's so, great. Yeah, it's it's been it's taking forever to do this, but cool. it's really important. Well, I'll link all that stuff up. More than likely. YouTube.com/slash/nerdist. The uh, set list. Absolutely, that's a great show. All right, folks, that was it. Episode twelve. 
of the Grabbing Lunch podcast. A special thanks again to Kathy Ladman and Paul Provenza for hanging out with me. I, it really meant a lot that they both agreed to do it. I, like I said before, I'm giant fans of both of them, so it was, it was cool to spend time with them like that, and uh, I, I had a great time. I hope you enjoyed the episode, too. Now, um, if numerical sequence stands to reason, next week, next Wednesday, episode 13, Lucky 13 of the Grabbing Lunch podcast, uh, I'm still deciding who I want to release. I have a bunch of fun ones in the can, and uh, I'm just... I'm mulling it over, or at the very least, thinking about it. Uh, in the meantime, check me out, mattknudsen.com, M-A-T-T-K-N-U-D-S-E-N, or grabbinglunch.com. That is it. Until next Wednesday, uh, be good, be safe, God bless, good night.